Chapter Seven of Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Claire. Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms by Harriet Lummis Smith. Chapter Seven. Pollyanna and the Law. In the intervals between the visits of the Fisher family. Pollyanna's friendship with Judith had been steadily progressing. The two young wives, transplanted from homes where they had a wide acquaintance to the desperate loneliness of a great city, found in each other's companionship a sort of life-preserver, buoying them up when the waves of homesickness threatened to submerge them. The similarities in their circumstances, which would have impressed a casual observer, was after all only a superficial resemblance. Pollyanna was thoroughly competent. The training she had received from Nancy in Aunt Polly's kitchen stood her in good stand, now that she was in a home of her own, and the work of the little apartment, instead of being burdensome, was one of her chief pleasures. Judith, on the other hand, detested everything connected with housework, as is likely to be the case with those who undertake any work of which they are ignorant. Though she was continually hurrying, she was always behindhand. Often she complained of weariness when Pollyanna failed to discover evidences that she had done anything worth mentioning. But the difference between the two went deeper than this. Pollyanna, who had so early begun to play the glad game, instinctively looked for the bright side and seldom failed to find it, while Judith indulged herself in periodic attacks of discontent during which the most trivial matters took on the aspect of calamities. Although not exactly unamiable, she had a quick temper, and Pollyanna had reason to fear that frequent quarrels marred the peace of the little household in which she was becoming so much interested. Pollyanna had not invited the Thayers to dinner, as she had long wished to do, for the reason that the Fishers had temporarily exhausted such of her resources as were available for hospitality, but she had improved every opportunity to be neighbourly that did not cost money. Several times she had gone to Judith's apartment and given her a cooking lesson, which after results had proved less valuable than she had hoped. It is difficult to master any subject in which one is altogether uninterested, and Judith's firm conviction that cooking was mere drudgery rendered her a slow pupil. Pollyanna was delighted when one day, shortly after the departure of Mr. and Mrs. Fisher, Judith came over to ask her assistance. Her appeal seemed to prove that their acquaintance had advanced to the point of real friendliness. "'Oh, Pollyanna, I'm in a dreadful hole. Won't you help me out? What do you suppose Russell has done now?' "'I'm sure I don't know,' Pollyanna replied cautiously. "'Well, he met an old friend on the street the other day,' and invited him out to dinner. Not to a restaurant, you understand, to a home dinner. Pollyanna smiled at Judith's injured tone. You can't blame him for wanting to show off his wife. If I were to be exhibited simply as a wife, I might make a fairly good impression. But as long as I'm the cook, too, I suppose Mr. Dunning will go away pitying Russell, and thanking his lucky stars he is a bachelor. Men are such pigs, Judith ended witheringly. Pollyanna had debated similar questions with her on a number of occasions, but she decided not to accept this challenge. 
Instead, she began to make inquiries as to Judith's plans for the meal, and finding Judith's mind apparently blank, she proceeded to make suggestions. And when they reached the important item of dessert, she had more than a suggestion to offer. "'Judith, I know a wonderful pudding that's not very expensive, and I'll come over and make it for you, if you like.' "'If I like? Oh, Pollyanna, you saved my life. You're an angel!' "'The idea! I love cooking, you know. I'm just treating myself to a lot of fun at your expense. Here's a pencil and paper. I'll tell you exactly what to get.' The two had several conferences before the day was over, and during the third and last it was arranged that the next morning Pollyanna was to hurry through her own work and be at Judith's apartment by ten o'clock. "'You see, this dessert needs to have plenty of time to cool,' she explained, "'and when I finish that I'll lend a hand wherever you need me.' Judith's gratitude was unmistakable. "'Pollyanna, you're a perfect dear. If I get through this awful ordeal without disgracing myself and making Russell furious, it'll be all your doing.' "'I tell you, I like it. I'll be around on the stroke of ten. "'I'll be looking for you.' Judith threw her arms about her neighbour and gave her an impulsive kiss, which Pollyanna promptly returned, though she was almost embarrassed by Judith's ardour. "'Anyone would suppose I was doing her a great favour," she reflected, "'when, of course, it's just a pleasant way of passing the time. "'It's lovely to have people so appreciative.' Only you feel as if you were getting something under false pretenses. After making all her arrangements so carefully, Pollyanna was a trifle annoyed at not being able to gain entrance to Judith's apartment at the hour agreed upon. She had rushed through her work as she had promised, and at ten o'clock precisely had her finger on the button of Judith's electric bell. When no Judith appeared, she rapped loudly, though it was quite evident that anyone in the little apartment could not be oblivious to the buzzing of the bell. After rapping, Pollyanna rang again, and then reluctantly returned to her own quarters. "'I suppose she's out finishing her marketing,' Pollyanna reflected. "'She'll be back right away, of course.' At half-past ten she made another visit to Judith's apartment, and at eleven she rang the bell for the third time, with no better results than on the previous occasions and by now she was getting really anxious. In addition to the pudding, she had promised to make some of the little frosted cakes, for which Judith professed an extravagant fondness. The pudding need time to cool, and the icing of the cakes would be sticky unless it had time to harden. If I only had the materials, I'd start in on the cakes in my own kitchen, Pollyanna thought, and Judith could pay me back afterwards but unluckily she had only enough sugar for the oatmeal next morning, and, as it was the day before her allowance was due, her pocket-book contained little besides her latch-key. It was necessary to get into Judith's apartment immediately. Although she had rung the bell not five minutes before, she rushed into the hall and rang it again, with the same unsatisfactory result. Pollyanna rather prided herself on the fact that an emergency sharpened her wits, and, as she disconsolately turned away from the unresponsive door, a sudden inspiration made her wonder why the way out of her difficulty had not occurred to her earlier. The fire-escapes had been the fly in their matrimonial ointment. Jimmy was always grumbling about them. The fishers had criticised them, and now it would be turning the tables on fate if they could be made to serve their turn. If only Judith— 
has left the window unlocked, thought Pollyanna, as she climbed cautiously out of her own window. She's such a careless creature that the chances are good. As a matter of fact, Judith's window was not only unlocked but wide open, and Pollyanna pulled herself up to the sill, reflecting that it was as well for one to have a little practice in the use of fire escapes, so as not to feel so queer and light-headed when one looked down at the court below. But she forgot everything else when she found herself in Judith's kitchen, with all the sugar she needed. She lighted the oven immediately and fell to work upon the little cakes. By the time the oven was ready for them, they were ready for the oven. Pollyanna was just washing her hands, preparatory to beginning on the pudding, when the doorbell rang. She glanced at the clock, shook her head smilingly, and started to answer the summons. And, though the bell rang again furiously, before she could reach the door, it did not occur to her to wonder how Judith was aware that the apartment was not empty. With her hand upon the knob of the door, she called playfully, "'I've a great mind not to let you in.' The answer came back in a deep, masculine voice, with more than a touch of Irish brogue. "'Open in the name of the law!' Pollyanna flew the door wide. A policeman stood in the hall an astonishingly businesslike policeman, with an official frown between his brows, and in his hand a revolver, which also looked official. Such an apparition was calculated to upset the stoutest nerves, but Pollyanna's lifelong habit of expecting only friendliness stood her in good stead. She only stared at him, and exclaimed, "'Is anything the matter?' The policeman himself did not seem quite sure. "'Are ye the lady of the house?' "'No, I'm not. She's out just now. Is it anything I can attend to?' "'How come you're here?' Pollyanna hesitated, then laughed at her own unreasonable uneasiness. "'Why, why, there were some things I wanted to help her about, so I got in through the window, from the fire escape, you know.' "'Oh!' Up to that moment the policeman had seemed in doubt. Now he had the air of a man who knows his duty and intends to do it. He stepped into the apartment and gave Pollyanna the full benefit of his official frown. "'You'll have to be going along with me,' he said. "'If you are sensible, you'll make no fuss.' "'Going where? I don't understand you.' The policeman showed signs of losing his temper. "'Oh, come off! Whatever you are, you are no fool. That's plain to tell from the looks of you. Folks don't climb into other folks' apartments from the fire escape for any good.' Pollyanna interrupted him with a little cry. "'Oh, my cakes!' She sprang past him, and the policeman shouted a warning. "'None of your tricks. There's an officer waiting for you below, and you haven't a chance.' Pollyanna ignored him. She threw open the oven door and drew out the muffin tins, filled with little cakes, now delicately browned, and emitting the most appetizing odour. She slipped one out of its ring, and satisfied herself that the bottom was not scorched, a matter regarding which she had felt a momentary painful doubt. The officer pushed back his helmet and scratched his head. While his intelligence was apparently embryonic, there was something about the little cakes that tended to disarm the suspicion of the most stupidly suspicious. Even the policeman, used to the innumerable tricks and devices of the criminal class, could not quite reconcile the phenomenon of the cakes with designs upon the family silver. As he pondered, 
Pollyanna was apparently giving her entire attention to transferring the cakes from the tins to the waiting platter. But her air of absorption was misleading. If it had occurred to the policeman to take her pulse, he would have found that her heart was thumping, which to his mind, in all probability, would have given conclusive evidence of guilt. Pollyanna was beginning to realise that gaining access to neighbours' homes by the window might be one thing in Beldingsville, Vermont, and quite another in New York City. Probably some apartment-dweller had seen her unconventional entry and summoned the police. Pollyanna had no doubt, of course, that she would ultimately prove her innocence, but the prospect of going to the police station, escorted by this man in uniform, seemed an intolerable disgrace. What would Jimmy say when he learned that his wife had been arrested for housebreaking? The bell rang again, and by this time Pollyanna had come to the realization that Judith could enter with a latch-key, and the ring suggested another policeman, perhaps several of them. Her hand shook till the knife she was using beat a tattoo on the table. The policeman eyed her, saw that she was frightened, and drew his own conclusions. "'Who would that be now?' "'I don't know,' said Pollyanna faintly. She did not think it necessary to express her apprehension that the authorities had called out the reserves to guard a dangerous prisoner. Nor did it occur to her that the police might suspect the arrival of an accomplice. "'Open the door!' he ordered, as the bell rang again. "'And whoever's there, let them in. Don't try giving him a tip. Understand?' Pollyanna went to the door, the policeman keeping well in the background, and yet near enough to do anything that might be necessary. It was a day of surprises, and what happened next was not the least in the number, for the door opening revealed Judith with a market-basket on her arm, a hot and seemingly almost hysterical Judith. Without a word of explanation she pushed into the hall, dropped upon the waiting bench, and broke into convulsive laughter that seemed momentarily on the point of turning into stormy weeping. "'Judith,' implored Pollyanna, "'what is the matter? What has happened?' Her blood chilled as she realized the probable effect on Judith, especially in her mood of unnatural excitement, of discovering a policeman in her apartment. "'Pollyanna,' Judith gasped, "'ask me what hasn't happened. Such a morning! But why did you ring? How did you know I was here?' "'I knew you'd have to get in somehow,' Judith explained, "'to start the cakes, you know.' "'Why, it's almost noon. I felt pretty sure you'd think of the fire escape.' "'I did,' Pollyanna spoke rather grimly. "'But where have you been?' "'I've been walking miles and miles and miles, Pollyanna. Do you remember telling me about that market, where you could get nice chickens so much cheaper than you can around here? Well, I went there this morning, and my pocket-book was stolen.' Pollyanna's exclamation of shocked sympathy showed that for the moment she had forgotten the policeman. "'Oh, it wasn't very serious. It's an old pocket-book, and I'd bought everything I'd needed. There was only about a dollar in change, and my latch-key. But I had to walk home. Think of it, Pollyanna, with everything there is to do today.' The policeman coughed, and Judith sat up with a jerk. "'Who's that?' "'Why, you see, a policeman called.' "'A policeman? Why, what in heaven's name is a policeman doing in my apartment?' The officer appeared. "'Are you the lady of the house?' he asked, as he had asked Pollyanna. "'Yes. What is it? Has anything happened to my husband?' "'Easy, easy now. 
counselled the policeman soothingly, for Judith's nerves had been under a strain that morning, and the closing question was fairly screamed at him. "'Sure if nothing wrong with any of your folks, and is this young lady a friend of yours?' Judith looked wildly at Pollyanna. "'Why, of course.' "'And it's all right, her being here when you're out?' "'Why, she had to be here. She had to help me get ready for company.' Judith suddenly burst into tears. "'I think this is the most dreadful place I ever lived in,' she sobbed, "'where you have to explain everything you do to an officer.' The policeman shuffled his feet and grinned. "'Sure,' he said coaxingly. "'Another day you may be glad to have us, boys. Johnny's on the spot.' He turned to Pollyanna with his most ingratiating air. "'Them little cakes now, I'm not saying they're the kind my mother used to make, but believe me, the old lady would have made that very sort had she known how.' Pollyanna gave him two, and said that she was only sorry that they were not frosted. The policeman's expansive smile, as he departed, indicated that he was in the best of spirits. The afternoon was hectic. Judith's harrowing experience had apparently made it impossible for her to settle down to work, and Pollyanna, after finishing the pudding and icing the cakes, gave her attention to stuffing the chicken. When that was in the oven, she prepared the creamed potatoes and mixed the salad. Spurred on by her example, Judith finally succeeded in pulling herself together sufficiently to set the table. She gave a great deal of attention to the candlesticks, with candles and shades to harmonize with the flowers in the centre. The table looked very pretty, but Pollyanna's native modesty was not proof against the conviction that without her assistance the dinner could hardly have been successful. Pollyanna's own dinner was late, but Jimmy did not mind. He was so interested in hearing his wife's recital of the day's experiences. "'If you have been arrested,' he teased her, "'I suppose you would have been glad,' that it was only for attempted burglary, and not for manslaughter or something like that. "'Jimmy,' said Pollyanna plaintively, "'the only thing I can see in this day to be glad about is that it is almost over.'" End of chapter 7 Recording by Claire